0: Hello and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump and we are talking about meta theory. This is proving properties about a programming language or a type theory, um, or it could be, if in other settings, proving properties about a logical system like a proof system or a set of axioms or something like this in logic. So, uh, and as we've been saying, you know, it's important to establish various properties of your typed programming language or your type theory. And the property we were looking at last couple times, we are talking about type safety, and it basically is expressing the idea that your type system manages to enforce the sort of runtime property that you intended it to enforce. And we talked about the decomposition of type safety into type preservation, saying that if you've got a program expression that has a type, that program expression executes a little bit, then it will still have that type after that execution. Um, As you can sort of chain this, right? So it's like if I execute one step and it still has a type, I execute another step, another step. So any finite number of steps I want to take, uh, the type will be preserved. The other property was progress, which just says that your type system, um, any well-typed expression, cannot cannot execute and enter a state where uh, the operational semantics doesn't say what to do. And so we model sort of the behavior we want the type system to prevent as undefinedness of our interpreter, our interpreter, our operational semantics, just saying, I don't know what to do with this expression. And so the type system is supposed to prevent those. And the famous little statement is that well-typed programs don't go wrong. That's a statement due to Robin Milner. It's a very good high-level explanation of this idea of, uh, of type safety. Well typed programs don't go wrong. So, well typed programs stay well typed as you execute them, and any well typed program you have cannot be in a sort of going wrong situation. Uh, so, anyway, and how does one prove these properties? Um, well, for type preservation, you're showing that all the different ways of executing your program, you know, the, the, I mean, the program, you have different constructs in your programming language. Uh, even uh, even untyped lambda calculus has uh, three different constructs of variables, lambda abstractions, and applications. So you have um, you have different constructs in your language, and you so your operational semantics is gonna probably be defined with several different cases of okay, well, if my program looks like this, then it takes one step this way, and if it looks like this other thing, then it takes another step that way. You know, for example, if my program if I've gotten to a point where I've got an array access, well if I'm accessing some array at index i then as long as that i is within the bounds of the array, then I'm then the operational semantics says, well, the way you execute that program, the next little step if you're saying, you know, access array a at index i is so go figure out what array a actually is, look at position i, assuming that is a legal position, and then step to the the value that you find there, um, and so, uh, so when you're proving type preservation, you have to consider all the different ways your program can execute. So it, it you know for a f- substantial language design, I mean, this would be a lot of tedious cases to go through. Kind of okay if it's this and it steps, then yes, it still has that type, and this and it steps, and it still has that type. Um, so it, it you know so that's the kind of Doing this for a sizable language would be a you know could be a some engineering effort required to actually carry out this proof even just on paper. And in fact, it's for situations like this that the programming languages research community um, has definitely been attracted to the idea of doing a computer check proof of this because it's not very deep. There's just a lot of cases. It'd be really easy to kind of miss one little case or get a case a tiny bit wrong, and probably. Your type preservation is still sort of mostly correct, but it could be actually technically incorrect because you sort of missed some little case. You didn't think about some little thing here. Um, and even if your theorem is still correct, your, your proof might be a little bit wrong. You know, just imagine, you. oh, my operational semantics has, you know, 63 different rules saying how to execute programs. And I, I covered all of them, but I forgot that in rule 64, you know, 62, there's like some special case that I have to consider and I forgot. You know, so um, and the little joke was about these kind of programming languages, um, meta-theoretic proofs. That these were uh, write-only. Like nobody wants to read them. They just want to kind of know that you wrote them out. I mean, this is, you know, for reviewing pa- uh, academic papers on this sort of topic. Uh, I've I've done, you know, I've reviewed some of these kind of papers. And you might have a 20, 30, 60, 80-page appendix to the paper that grinds through all those irritating little cases. And, you know, so most people just want to know that you you did the work you're supposed to do and trying to make sure this is correct. Uh, But nobody's actually, few will actually grind through those cases with you. Because, again, they're mostly... There's like no real deep insight or anything embodied in this proof. It's just a it's just a big confirmation that yeah 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 I didn't screw anything up, and so that sort of thing really is um, a good candidate for uh, doing a computer check proof for that because then um, nobody has to read that thing and we can just trust you know you just have, with a computer check proof or something like that you need to confirm that the meta theorem that's being proved is the one that you expect and that the author of the work is, is Claiming that they've proved, uh, but after that, you you can just trust. I mean, you, it, it's quite reasonable to trust that Cauch or Agda or one of these proof assistants, or Hall or Isabel Hall or one of these. If they say your proof is correct, then you know we can pretty much trust that. there. It's probably a greater chance that a human proof checker will make a mistake in checking a proof than that the computer proof checker will. So, anyway. So that's sort of uh, how you prove, um, generally, are proving type preservation. It's just sort of a big analysis of all the different ways your program can execute. Um, so, uh, and as for progress, uh, progress usually amounts to some kind of, you know, so you're trying to show that uh, programs that have a type either can take one step can execute one step or are actually values. And so this usually involves sort of a big, again, the same kind of thing, a big case analysis on the ways that your program could be well typed. To make sure that in all the cases where your type checker uh, or your type system and usually we're reasoning here not about the behavior of type checkers as programs, but we're reasoning about the beha- about um, the type system expressed a little more declaratively than as a program, but more like as some inference rules, mathematical inference rules that say, if, you know, like for a function call, you know, if the function part has type A or B and the argument has type A, then the function call has type, f applied to A, has type B. You know, so we, we it's the custom in programming languages and type theory research to express your typing algorithm usually it's expressed through inference rules that say if a bunch of typing conditions or, you know, premises are true, then some typing conclusion uh, follows. And so you just have to do a big case analysis on your typing derivation to prove that, again, if you've got a well-typed expression, then either it's a value or it can take a step. Um, and uh, again, these are not, generally not super difficult to prove. Uh, but there could be a bunch of cases corresponding to all the different ways to type your program. So it's another good candidate for a computer check proof. Okay, so that's a little bit about how you would actually go about proving these theorems. And again, these are, not, these are generally not considered super hard to do. For a type theory or a type system, we, we mostly expect these to be pretty straightforward. Uh, so this will be less true when we turn to... Um, to some other properties of programming languages. And the two other ones that I would like to talk a bit about are confluence and normalization. We've already spoken about normalization um, as a... Uh, sorry, I've got a dump truck doing something of me. Uh, we've already spoken about normalization as a property that your um, program can reach a normal form, so it cannot run for... There's a way to make it not run forever. And as we speak about this, it'll be time to start distinguishing. In the research literature, people um, make some, a little bit finer distinctions between different kinds of termination, normalization, this kind of thing. So really, there's just two. There's normalization and termination. And uh, normalization means there's some way to reach a normal form, so... And termination says no matter what you do, you're going to reach a normal form. And note these are somewhat different because you could have something that normalizes. Like there's some path, you know, you compute and compute and compute and compute, and and you eventually get three. That's great. Um, And I guess it's important for the distinction between normalization and termination, we have to bear in mind that um, while programming languages generally have a fixed operational semantics that makes them deterministic, at least, you know, I mean, we might have some non deterministic operations in some programming language, or we might model certain things as non deterministic computation, but mostly programming languages are supposed to be for deterministic execution. Uh, for type theory, for various reasons, people tend to like um, to keep not to pin down a particular uh, reduction strategy and they leave it more open. And there's some reasons for that, and this is worth talking about. But uh, So, if you have non-determinism, where there's different ways programs can execute, even sort of just run-of-the-mill programs, not like funny, you know, I don't know, probabilistic programs or something, uh, then, you know, then there's a difference between normalization and termination, again, because normalization says, I can, there's some way for execution to stop, but there might be other ways where execution just goes and goes and goes forever. Whereas termination says, no matter what you do, no matter how you choose to you know resolve the non-determinism in executing your program it's going to terminate. it's going to reach a normal form. That's normalization and termination So uh, oftentimes um, those are standard term that's standard terminology in type theory and uh, rewriting. in programming languages people often talk about or sort of programming languages inspired or connected research. People often talk about weak versus strong normalization. I mean, you find those terms in, in type theory? Papers too, but we uh, so um, strong normalization is basically termination, and weak normalization is what it's normally called normalization. <laughs> I actually kind of prefer normalization versus termination as terminology. Weak versus strong, yeah, it's fine too. Um, anyway, so that's that's one of the properties that we're going to discuss next, and uh, confluence is the other one that basically says. Uh, if you execute, if you have nondeterministic computation, and you execute a program in two different sort of directions, like you kind of execute it one way, and, and choosing non-deterministic, non-deterministically you execute it a little bit different way, then those two results you get, um, there must be some way to get them back to join them back up together. So if you start at a term t and you head off in two different directions to get terms T1 and T2, there must be some way to get T1 and T2 back together by further reduction. Not every way has to do that, just there has to be some way to do that. Um, Okay, so we'll talk about these two properties um, over the next uh, few episodes. Um, It's a beautiful sunny day in Iowa again, and I hope it's nice wherever you are as well. Thank you for listening.